We are continuing a series we started last week, Overcoming the Plague of Toxic People. Amen? The Plague of Toxic People. And our text scripture was 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 through 13, which says, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters. For then must ye needs go out, into the, out of the world. But now I've written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner. With such an one know not to eat. For what I have to do to judge them also that are without, do not ye judge them that are within. But them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore put away from yourselves that wicked person. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we give you the glory, honor, and praise for everything that you'll teach us through your word. And right now, Father, just pour out your wisdom upon us, Lord. Give us um, something unique, something personal that we would not leave out here the same as we are. And that's not even the case of us being bad or impure. It's just a fact that we hunger and desire to grow more in you, Father. So we just thank you that by your spirit, the great teacher, that we would gain insight by your spirit and by your word that would enrich us, power us, motivate us, guide us, and enable us to walk in freedom and liberty and in power, as well as with your anointing. We just give you the praise, honor, and glory for these things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As I said, we started this series last week, and I'll start off with two uh, quotes that are from Hans F. Hansen, who is a retired football player. And when I'm saying football, I'm talking about the European uh, football, which is referred to as soccer in America. Amen. Not only is he a former football player, but he's also an entrepreneur and a motivational speaker. And he said two things. Uh, regarding relationships. It takes nothing to join the crowd. It takes everything to stand alone. Amen. It takes nothing to join the crowd. It takes everything to stand alone. In other words, it's very easy for you to join in with the crowd. It takes strength, courage, motivation, dedication, commitment, reliability, integrity sometimes, and strength of character to stand alone against the crowd. Uh, another thing he said is that people inspire you or they drain you, pick them wisely. Once again, people inspire you or they drain you, pick them wisely. In other words, be careful of the company that you keep because they have an effect on you. They can help motiv motivate you to greatness or they can pull you down. You might find that you have hopes and dreams that are never fulfilled because you just refuse to break ties with people that are holding you down. Amen. And at the end of the day, with all the things that are available to us, quite frankly, the only one that really holds you down, even if you blame other people, is yourself because you refuse to do what was necessary to liberate yourself to go to the place of greatness that God had provided for you. Amen. So we could even blame people, but at the end of the day, it's about us and the decisions that we choose to make regarding our relationships. Uh, so last week we looked at the consequences of letting people or toxic people overcome, manipulate, and control us. Um, then we finished up last week talking about 
whether or not we should totally avoid them. And the answer was, no, we don't have to avoid them. Matter of fact, we can't avoid them because God has called us to go out into all the world to preach the gospel. That includes the toxic, dysfunctional people as well. The key thing is that you should be in their midst, but they should not be pulling you down. You should be going into their midst and affecting them for righteousness' sake. So you have to decide, first of all, whether you are called and led by the Spirit of God to be in their presence and to be attached to them. And then if that's the case, as we've already seen, they should not be pulling you down and hindering you. Instead, you should be having an impact upon them, amen, that helps lead them out of dysfunction. So we're going to continue on this week, and we're actually going to start talking about some types of toxic people, amen? Types of toxic people. Now, as we uh, go through it this series, we're going to deal with 10 types of toxic people. I'm sure if we analyze thoroughly, we might find that we're probably likely to find more, but there's 10 that the Lord laid on my heart. Now, one of the things you've got to realize is that most people are the byproduct of the company that they keep. Amen? You know, in terms of the people that they spend the much time with. This is what usually is something that people see in you. If you're with a lot of, of um, angry people, you'll start taking on the characteristics of an angry person. If you're among greedy people, you'll start taking on the spirit of greediness. You know, uh, a lot of people say opposites attract, but I find a lot of times, you no know, people of the same mind and the same spirit attract. The world also says misery loves company. So a lot of times people take on the spirit of the people that they're around. So we have to be, real, be aware of that and realize that if you're around people that don't have any purpose, don't have any goals, aren't about anything, you'll probably be similar to them if you're not already like them. And if they're toxic, uh, you're likely to be toxic as well, even if you were clear of mind, uh, pure of thought and attitude. If you're around toxic people all the time, after a while, it starts to toxify you. And most likely you'll be hindered from fulfilling your purpose in God and you won't have an untainted mind. So here's some of the consequences of continuing to be around toxic people without taking control by the Spirit of God and the Word of God of your relationship or your interactions. All right, so the first type of toxic person that we're going to look at today is the gossip. <laughs> the gossip. Oh, we all know gossips. Amen. Some of us might be gossips, but one thing we can guarantee, everybody in this room has come across or has been a gossip from time to time. Amen. Uh, it's not some kind of exotic type of characteristic or some type of trait that we've never encountered. Every one of us, I am quite certain that we've come across the path of a gossip. Amen. As a matter of fact, some gossips are very good at what they do. <laughs> you give them a tidbit, they'll make a movie out of it. They are gossips. All right, so here's what Eleanor Roosevelt said about people and the way that they handle things. Uh, the quote from her says, Great minds discuss ideas. Average ones discuss events, and small minds discuss people. <laughs> Great minds discuss ideas. 
Average ones discuss events, and small minds discuss people. In other words, they have nothing great to talk about. They focus on small things. They don't do anything that discusses major worldwide things or cultural things or things that really broaden your interests and, and broaden your enlightenment. They don't bring anything to the table that revolutionizes an industry or something like that. They're focused on small things, and they just stick in that arena of focusing on conflict and drama and things like that. Amen. That's what gossips do. And here's the thing you have to realize. Gossipers derive pleasure from other people's misfortunes or flaws. I'll say that again. Gossipers derive pleasure from other people's misfortunes or flaws. And here's the thing. It might be fun to peer into somebody else's personal or professional faux pas at first. But over time, it starts to get tiring. It makes you feel dirty, gross. And at the end of the day, it hurts other people. So we could try to make excuses for gossiping, but at the end of the day, the, every gossip has an attached victim to the news that they're spreading. And here's the thing. A lot of gossips don't even care about whether or not what they're sharing is true or not. They just want to hear something juicy, a little dirt. Just, just look at the, the, the phrases and the, and the words that they use to describe the news that they're spreading. Oh, I got dirt on You got dirt? Really? If you were to go in your home or look at your body, you know, you go outside and you get dirty. Do you spread the dirt onto your other clothes? No, you clean the dirt off. If you come into your house and your house is dirty, do you say, okay, well, my living room's dirty? Like, great! Let me take this dirt in the living room and take it into my bedroom in the kitchen. Oh, I love this dirt! No, when you come across dirt, you clean it up. That's a natural reaction. But why is it when we're dealing with human dirt? Things about people's flaws and misfortunes and, and quirks and, and, and pains and wounds that we say, instead of cleaning that up, Let's go spread it around further. And not only spread it around, but a lot of times we exaggerate it and add more juice, more dirt to the thing that we initially heard. Amen? So gossipers derive pleasure out of things, and quite frankly, there's a victim at the other end of it whose reputations, whose emotions, who, whose baggage is being even more burdened down by what you're directly or indirectly doing to them. Amen? There's somebody at the end of that who's being wounded by it. Think about the times that people have gossiped about us. What's their first reaction? Anger. How dare you talk about me like that? We don't even like when it's true, <laughs> let alone when it's a lie. How dare you talk about me? And if it's something that hurts us, we got a quirk and people gossiping about it. We have something we're ashamed about that somebody spreads. How do we feel? Oh, my God. The skeleton in my closet has gone further down. When I go to interact with that group of people, are they going to know? See, that's how we feel when we're at the end of the gossip trail. So why is it so easy for us to get the gossip and spread it further? I think we need to personalize it and say, how would I feel if I was the person to be in disgust. And see, here's the thing. There's, there's way too many positives that are out there available about people and too much to learn 
from talking about interesting, motivational, inspirational, courageous people than to waste our time talking about the misfortunes of others if we were really to evaluate the things that we take in as well as the things that we choose to spread further. Amen? Hallelujah. <laughs> Look what God says. I'm just getting this. Jesus Christ wants us to spread the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, not the gossip of the world system. Amen? I'll say that. I like that. We were to spread the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, not the gossip, the dirt of other people. Amen? <laughs> You've heard that phrase before, church gossip. Why is gossip in the church? Since we're spreading the gospel. <laughs> All right, let's look at the verse of Scripture relating to gossiping. Proverbs eleven thirteen. I actually have three versions of it. The first one's from the International Standard Version, ISV. It says, whoever spreads gossip betrays secrets, but the trustworthy person keeps a confidence. So if you spread gossip, you're betraying somebody else's secrecy or privacy. And we say here also, it says, if you're trustworthy, you keep confident the things you know about somebody. So if we extend that definition or that description there, it says, okay, if uh, gossip portrays secrets, but an untrustworthy person keeps confidence by spreading gossip, you already find yourself as not being trustworthy. Because it says a trustworthy person keeps it to themselves. Amen. So we could say, hey, I just like to spread a little dirt, but you also like being untrustworthy. If somebody told you something that you weren't supposed to divulge to somebody else. You know, that's one of the first things that um, Pam and I always do when we're ministering to people and, you know, especially counseling somebody. I say, you can tell me anything. And it's not going beyond this table, this room, this phone conversation. And believe me, we heard some stuff that, Hair was standing on end. But we don't judge the person based upon that. If they are open enough to spread even the dirtiest of things, then I'm not going to wound or betray their trust by saying, like, now I'm going to judge you or I'm going to go spread it elsewhere. Only time I've ever spread something, like, say, uh, me and Kyle in a conversation, he says something and it's really detrimental or something that maybe Pam and I need to pray about together. But I'll tell the person, hey, I'm going to. Is it okay that I share this with Pam so we can join together to pray for it? And the person tells me, no, I keep it. But they say yes, then it goes to her, but that's still the end of it. The end of the trail is the two of us praying, but here's the thing. It's for the purpose of ministry and us both being able to seek God instead of one person sharing insight. Now it's two people praying that can get insight to bless the other person on the other end. So we're not taking the news and spreading it out to somebody else. And matter of fact, we're not going to spiritualize stuff and say, oh, well, well, I'm the pastor over that person. They told me something. Oh, but I'm talking to, you know, Pastor Connor, Pastor John. Like, well, they're pastors too, so uh, let me share it. No, it ain't none of their business. It was shared with me. So I'm not going to spiritualize telling somebody's business under the guise of ministry. No, it's ministry, but ministry in my house or in my relationship with the other person. Amen. Sometimes in the church, we, we try to bend the rules a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's under the spirit of gossip. You didn't have to share it with somebody else. Amen. Now, if it's something where you might harm your life, yes, I will tell on you. 
Whether I, you know, I probably will tell you I'm telling you, but if I think you're going to harm yourself by me telling you that, yeah, then I won't tell you and I will tell on you. I'm going to go to the nearest hospital, the police, and say, hey, so-so about their harm themselves. I told, and I'll, I'll tell them later on, they might be up in the, the ward somewhere for 72 hours of observation. Yeah, I told on you, but I did it for your own good. So I'm going to look you in the eye and tell you I told on you, but it wasn't gossip. It was preservation. Amen. So it's the spirit behind what you're doing. So anyway, that was the first one. The second one, a gossip tells everything, but a true friend will keep a secret. That's the thing. Gospel, a gossip will tell all the news. <laughs> they might hear a little bit, and they tell it all. And here's the thing about, as it relates to that, I was like, well, everything. Why do you need to emphasize everything? But I think one of the reasons the Lord uses that is that a gossip for instance, the, the latest news might be, I heard this about so-and-so, and I'm going to tell you everything. So I'll tell you this, but by telling you everything, it's not just the latest news. Oh, well, here's what happened with so-and-so. Well, you know, two years ago, so-and-so said did this, and oh, then she got an argument. See, you, you, you taking not just the current news, but you're adding on all the other stuff you know about the person to color the story and once again, make it juicier or dirtier. The gossip will tell all the business that they have about somebody. Amen? As we see here, a, a true friend will keep a secret. And see, a true friend keeping your secret doesn't mean they might not tell you about yourself. They might still tell you, you lost your mind. I ain't going to rat you out. I'm not going to gossip about you. I'm not going to stab you in the back. Smile on your face and stab in your back, but I'm going to tell you eye to eye, like you lost your mind, you need to get your act together. I'm still going to keep your secret, but get your act together. Amen? And then the Dewey Reams Bible, he that walketh deceitfully revealeth secrets, but he that is faithful concealeth the thing committed to him by his friend. Look at that. Somebody can commit something to you they are extending the olive branch of friendship. I trust you. I open my heart to you. I'm in a place that if this news were exposed, I would be harmed. But I trust you enough to open myself up and say, here you go. Here's some information about me that I want you to know. And here's the thing. Why would I give you information about me that's hurtful unless I want you to help me, whether it's prayer, support, a word of comfort. You ain't got no words to say. You throw your arms around me. You offer to help me through the problem. The only reason I'm even sharing it with you is because I trust you and I, I consider you a friend or somebody that will support me. Amen. See, it's one thing for the news to come through the streets. But when the person come being gossip about or before they're gossip about comes to you and says, hey, here's something I'm dealing with. They're basically saying, I'm looking for you as a safe haven. Somebody can trust to support me through this situation. So they're basically saying, I've opened my heart to you. I've exposed myself to further injury beyond what I'm already dealing with relating to the gossip by providing you insight into what's going on with me. Amen. So they're saying, I trust you not to stab me in the back and spread this all over the place. But we see here on the other side of the coin. He that walketh deceitfully reveals secrets. That's the thing. Somebody will tell you something. You put on the, the guise, the facade of a friend. Oh, that's so, 
you know, oh, I'll, I'll come here. I'll, I'll, oh, that's so horrible. I can't believe that, you know. I'll be praying for you. Then you go out and spread it. Sometimes in the name of Jesus, you spread it. Oh, you need to pray about so-and-so. Did you hear about? And, and here's the thing. You know when you said, did you hear about? <laughs> that whole phrase, did you hear about? You know, good and well, they didn't hear about it. You know the answer is going to be, no, I didn't hear about it. So why even start off with, did you hear about? You might as well just come straight in and say, look, here's what I got to say about Kelly. Take the whole, did you hear about Kelly? No, they didn't hear. And some people in the midst of saying, did you hear about Kelly? Did you hear about Kelly did this? Oh, you didn't? Well, you just told them. <laughs> if you get the specifics in the question, did you hear about Kelly stepped on three people's toes last Friday and they said, ouch, well, you just told them the news. <laughs> so, well, yeah, no, I didn't know that Kelly stepped on five people's toes last week and they say, ouch, oh, but thanks for telling me. <laughs> People are true. <laughs> it, it shows you it's deceitfulness. They know they're not doing right just by posing the question. Just by raising the issue in the ear of somebody else. They know they're walking in deceit. That's why they try to mask it with some kind of justification. Oh, did you know? Oh, now as you know, we, well, we got to pray about so-and-so. No, you're just gossiping. Stop spiritualizing. You're just gossiping. Let's stop cleaning it up. So you are a deceitful person. Once again, it shows the character of the person spreading gossip when they're promoting the gossip. And, and like I said... People that gossip don't just say the given tidbit or piece of information. They usually add a little color commentary to make the story juicier. That's why people have said in different situations, experiments, you know, just across the board, you can start off with one tidbit, let it spread to 10 people, and the story will be totally different and, and much more dramatic than the original thing that you said. They've even had times where people have, have said trivial things. Just like one statement. So-and-so's wearing a, 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 a red blouse and a blue skirt. By the time you get to the end of it, she, she oh, you couldn't believe that stuff she had on. It was too tight. And this, I just told you she had on a, a, a red blouse and blue shirt. How did it get that she was dressed like, a, <laughs> you know, like she's in the club when it started from there? Because people like to put color commentary on top of stuff. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right, so when you spread gossip, you not only help in the promotion and enhancement of defamation of character against someone, because that's what it really is. It's defamation of somebody else's character. But you also reveal your own character as untrustworthy. You show yourself to be an unfaithful person. And in some cases, you show yourself to be a false friend if they trusted you to keep it between themselves and you. Amen? And like I said, there's no justification for it. And quite frankly, this is probably one of the, the sins, one of the quirks, one of the temptations, one of the issues that, quite frankly, all of us deal with. Amen? I know I'm not exempt. I don't think none of us are really exempt. So I think it's just different levels of it. I think by nature, we just, something about us loves a little juice about somebody else. And look at the age that we live in, the age of paparazzi and social media and, and, and E Tonight and TMZ. What is it all about? It's about gossip about other people. And we just, oh, what is so-and-so? I mean, I was about to, I actually have, um, I had subscribed to their text alerts years ago. 
I was about to cancel it a couple of weeks ago because like every few minutes, here comes another Robin Black China text. So he said this and she said that and then he said this. Like, I don't care about either one of them. Yeah. So I was about to hit stop, cancel the subscription because it's like, I, I don't care. They mean, they, God bless them. But on a day to day, their lives mean nothing to me. I'm not interested in them. I'm not interested in their whatever you want to call their careers. Uh, uh, but I'm just not interested. But boy, is my phone getting lit up with it. Because that's the way things are. Even in a good sense, gossip <laughs> is an industry under itself. You know, it's like Kyrie Irving doesn't want to be on the Cavaliers. Then you got 20 articles. Oh, well, he's tired of playing LeBron because LeBron gets favored. To, like, where all this come from? See, people like gossip. So even the journalists, whether they, whether they heard it or not, a reliable source said that. <laughs> I was literally listening to the NBA radio last night, Sirius XM, yesterday, um, driving in my car. And this guy's an Uber driver. And he said, yeah, he said, um, I'm driving. He's going on and on and talking about the conversation he had about Kyrie, LeBron, and who's right and who's wrong and what's best for both players and stuff like that. And they're going back and forth. And I'm sitting there like, why did they let this guy sit on the radio all the time? He's on here too long. This story's getting way too long, and I'm getting bored. And all of a sudden now, this is Average Joe Uber driver. He says, like, well, the one guy is supportive of LeBron, and the other guy is doing all the arguments for Kyrie and in favor of Kyrie, doing what he needs to do and stuff like that. So he says, finally, I dropped him off at the airport. He said, the two men get out. And he said, the one guy comes back, and he says, yo, the other man, that's Kyrie Irving's father. <laughs> So they were going back and forth debating issues in the car. And he said, like, I'm, and he's like, I'm for LeBron. And that was Kyrie's dad. <laughs> but people be just, people talking stuff. Going to any barbershop. Boy, you be hearing some stuff. Yeah. You know, debating issues. We, that's just something we like by nature. We like to discuss and debate issues, and we like a lot of juicy gossip. We just do. I remember an episode of, um, <laughs> I just reminded of an episode of um, Andy Griffith's show, where um, I think at the beginning of the show, Andy's talking to Aunt B, and Aunt B's with some of her fellow, you know, women friends outside, and they're talking to stuff, and Andy starts laughing at them, and she's like, Aunt B is like, well, what are you laughing about? He said, oh, you women, all you do is gossip, and she's like, well, we don't gossip anymore than y'all do, and he's like, yeah, yeah, right, you know how you women are and stuff, so she intentionally planted something that spread around the town, and here's the thing. It spread through all the men, all the barbershop. And at the end of the episode, she's across the street like this while these guys are totally fooled. And Andy all of a sudden looks across the street and I'd be like, <laughs> like gotcha. <laughs> so gossip is, you know, we say it's more of a women's thing. But quite frankly, gossip goes across the board. We all like our juice. We like our dirt. All right, let's go to the next one. Proverbs 26, 17 through 28. As he that taketh a dog by the ears, so is he that passeth by in anger and meddleth with another man's quarrel. As he is guilty that shooteth arrows and lances unto death, so is the man that hurteth his friend deceitfully, and when he is taken, saith, I did it in jest. When the wood faileth, the fire shall go out, and when the tail bearer is taken away, contentions shall cease. 
As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so an angry man stirreth up strife. The words of talebearer are, as it were, simple, but they reach to the utter, innermost parts of the belly. Swelling lips joined with a corrupt heart are like an earthen vessel adorned with silver dross. An enemy is known by his lips when in his heart he entertaineth deceit. When he shall speak low, trust him not, because there are seven mischiefs in his heart. He that covereth hatred deceitfully, his mouth shall be laid open in the public assembly. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it, and he that rolleth a stone, it shall return to him. A deceitful tongue loveth not truth, and a slippery mouth worketh ruin. So there's a lot of meat. <laughs> there's a lot of meat in that passage of scriptures. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Starting off, it says, As he that taketh a dog by the ears, so is he that passeth by in anger and melleth with another man's quarrel. Now, when you're talking about taking, you know, you take a dog, especially a mean dog by the ears, what's that dog going to do? He's going to snap. He's going to try to bite you. But he's saying, like, if you're not only passing by a situation of conflict, but then you start to meddle in other people's business, it's the same as if you grab the angry dog at his ears. In other words, don't be surprised if people end up snapping at you. You shouldn't have got involved. <laughs> I saw this video the other day. Me and Pam were laughing. <laughs> None of my business belongs to you. 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 Mind your business. Mind your business in Jesus' name. Mind your business. <laughs> Mind your business right now. Mind your business. Because <laughs> none of my business belongs to you. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. None of my business, come on choir, belongs to you. You can anoint your ears and your mouth to say, none of your business belongs to me. And reverse that. And none of my business belongs to you. <laughs> mind your business. And I'll mind yours. Actually, I won't. Mind your business. <laughs> That's a song the church can sing, though. Mind your business, and I need to learn to stay out of your business, and do all be right in Jesus, amen. <laughs> but that's the thing we see here: you you messing in people's business. It's like grabbing a, a, a mean, mangy, vicious dog by the ears, and then we sit here. Why are they snapping at me? Because you got in a place you shouldn't have been. You should have minded your business and kept passing by. And as you pass by. Don't do, what do they, what they call it? Um, oh, shoot. What's that phrase? Rubbernecking. And um, there's another phrase, too, when you're driving by and you're slowing down traffic because you're all up in the business. And there's been accidents where people are watching. Gapers. Yeah, gapers delay. you driving by an accident or a cop to stop somebody over. you driving by. And these people are actually 
people actually cause secondary accidents, gapers delay watching a situation is under business, and then they crash in the car, and now the cop got to deal with two accidents instead of one. So you, you're minding other people's business, and what happens? You get in your own accident. And that happens a lot in real life. Amen? We need to have less gapers delay in people's business and keep going by and minding our own, staying in our own lane. It says here, uh, as he that shooteth arrows and lances into death, so is the man that hurteth his friend deceitfully when he's taken, saith, I did it in jest. See, you could take somebody's business and like, oh, I'm going to spread this. Shoot those arrows of their business out there. And then when it's exposed, you talk about, oh, man, I was joking. I, I didn't mean anything. Well, it's a joke to you. It's not a joke to them. And if it was on the other end, you'd be like, that ain't funny. It was none of their business. How dare you spread that? And we see here there's a solution to that. It says you put wood on a, f a fire or coals on a fire, it will continue to spread. But if you take away the wood or the coals, the fire will die out. How do you kill gossip? By refusing to spread it. I'm not going to add any gas, coal, or wood to that fire. Matter of fact, you could try to snuff the fire out. Amen? But sometimes we help to spread it. And we see here in 21, it says, As coals to burning coals and wood to fire, so an angry man stirs up strife. You know, an angry man stirs up strife, but so does a gossip. Stuff might be quenched at the starting point, but when you spread it, you're just fanning the flames, as they say. Amen? One of the things I learned about the wood-burning stove is that you could throw as much wood in there. You could throw paper. You could put in, they have different compounds to help, you know, liquid or sticks and different things to try to get the fire going. Um, but one of the key things about making a fire really grow in heat and intensity, you got to give air to it. You got to give it oxygen. The fire's got to breathe. And once it starts breathing, woof. That's one of the main things Pam and I had to learn when we start first using that wood-burning stove. We had plenty of good wood. We had dry wood. But sometimes we fought for hours to get that thing to burn good. But, boy, once we got that air, that draft of air going up that pipe, woof, unless you know that thing will burn all night. And I'm talking about burning hot to the point, ooh, we got to turn this thing down. First year we used that stove, full blast, man. We were walking around the shorts like we were in Florida or the Bahamas. It was too hot because that oxygen started flowing. It, it, it got life to it. It got air. It got oxygen to keep it going. And that's how it is with gossip sometimes. We add fuel to the fire or we give it air to breathe. And it grows in intensity and heat. And then we wonder, like, well, wait a minute. How did that happen? And then verse 22 says, The, the words of a talebearer are as if it were simple, but they reach to the other or the innermost parts of the belly. Uh, I would just, sh sh I, I didn't mean any harm. I just, I just heard something and I, I was just telling so-and-so. It says here, no, you ain't just talking. There's something in the innermost part of your being, your core, that likes to spread news about somebody else's flaws, shortcomings, or things that shame or wound them. There's something in you that allows you to spread it. It's not as simple as, oh, well, I didn't mean any harm. I'm just, I was just sharing. Once again, I, I was just sharing them because, you know, I figured we, we pray about it. You could have prayed about it without sharing it. Matter of fact, 
You could I could go to Kelly and say, hey, Kelly, let's pray for Tony. Well, what are we praying about? I can't tell you, man, but just let's keep her in prayer. I, I want to tell the reason. I want to tell him the reason. So let's just pray for sis. Because it might not be, unless she told me, you could go to Kelly to two y'all pray for me, but tell him here's what to pray about, then it's not necessarily his business what the issue is, but he could know I'm going to support my sister in prayer. And matter of fact, by the Spirit of God, if he needs to know exactly what it is, as he's praying, the Lord be like, oh, oh, okay. And you pray specifically about what it is. That's why a lot of times, even praying for people sometimes, especially as healing and different things, sometimes I only ask them. They say, I need prayer, I just pray. And sometimes the Lord give me the, the topic, you know. I had people say, pray one thing, and it was something else. <laughs> I ran to somebody <laughs> yesterday, Ray Moore Flanagan. I was walking up, saw this, this black woman, walking past, we look at each other, like, oh, hey. She's like, I know you from somewhere. I said, I said yeah, I, I pray for your foot. Years ago, saw it rock. She said, oh, yeah, that was you. I said, yeah. I said, it was, it was a healing, but it was a painful one, right? She said, yeah, because I was praying for her. <laughs> I was praying for her foot, and as I was praying, the Lord told me to snap it because it was, it was dislocated. And he told me to snap it back in place. And I ain't no chiropractor or anything like that. The Lord's like, snap it back in place. So I'm praying, and the Lord says, do it. And I warned her. I said, I said, prepare yourself. She's like, ooh. She walked out of normal. <laughs> but she did tell me, she said, boy, we're in church. I'm going to slap the mess out of you. <laughs> she said, I'm going to slap the, 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 the mustache off your, ma- off your upper lip. Because <laughs> it, it hurt. I mean, when I did it, she went. <laughs> I said, like, ooh, thank God we're in the house of God. Because <laughs> she was like. <laughs> And you could tell it hurt, but she got the hill. <laughs> so you remember, I said, oh, yeah, I snapped your foot years ago. <laughs> no, no, she let, me, she let me walk by safely. She, she was walking normal still. <laughs> I'm like, man, Lord be doing some stuff sometimes for her. <laughs> anyway, but, um. Like I said, the tales of a talebearer, the words seem to be simple, but even if, here's the thing, even as you as a gossip think, oh, I'm just sharing some news, I ain't trying to hurt anybody, to you it's simple, but God's saying, no, I'm looking at the character behind it, the impurity, the thing within you that says it's okay to spread something that's hurtful about somebody else. So we may see it as being simple, and oh, it's not a big deal, oh, it's just the latest in dirt. And God said, no. Something inside of you that allows you to spread that. Verse 23, swelling lips join with a corrupt heart. Swelling lips. It ain't talking about you got punched in the mouth and your lips swollen. Basically, you're swollen with all the mess coming out. Just spewing stuff. Your your mouth is spreading outward with all the stuff you're spewing. Amen? But what does it say, though? It says, swelling lips joined with a what? Corrupt heart. Once again, God's looking at the inside of us. So oh, you got a loud mouth. You're busy body with your lips. But he said, even though you think it's just your lips or a careless word, God said, no, I'm looking at the corruption in your heart. 
And quite frankly, where it says like an earthen vessel adorned with silver dross, it's basically saying like you put a little silver lipstick on a dirty vessel. You try to pretty it up, but I see the corruption inside. Eh, you ain't that pretty. You just do some paint on it. You know what they say in the world, was it? The pig with lipstick? <laughs> That's how God's kind of looking at it. Put some lipstick, lipstick on the pig. God say, yo, you can try to pretty it up. You can try to pretty it up. Put, you can put some lipstick on Miss Piggy. She's still a pig. So you can pretty it up. Oh, well, no, I'm so pure and so innocent. And gossiping, God said, nope, you dirty vessel. You just put some, you just got a nice outfit and nice lipstick and good hair on, but you're still dirty inside your vessel. Amen. This says here, an enemy is known by his lips. When his heart, he entertaineth deceit. So we think sometimes, oh, I'm just spreading a little gossip. I don't mean no harm. God said, no, you're their enemy. I think sometimes we look at that like, whoa, I don't want to be their enemy. I was just, just a little dirt. Once again, how's God see it? God said, no, you're their enemy. You're, and what's an enemy? An enemy is somebody is attacking somebody else and seeking their downfall. So that, that puts a whole another level of intensity on how we may view it versus how God may view it. He says, you're their enemy. You're seeking to destroy them or undermine them or take their position of power or ambush them with the words that are coming out of your mouth. So, <laughs> in his heart, he entertaineth deceit. You're having a party, entertainment, a play, a musical, a movie is playing inside of your heart. With all the gossip that you're playing out. And if you have something, you have things being entertained inside of you, your heart. At the end of the day, there's a little part of you that as you're spreading the gossip, there's drama in your heart regarding that person. And you're speaking out of that. So what you're speaking is actually helping to bring the play, the movie, the drama in your heart into fruition. You're not going to speak out of innocence. You're going to speak out of the drama. So therefore, what you speak is helping to produce more drama, whether it's intentional or not. It says, when he speaks low, trust him not, in verse 25. Oh, you ain't heard it from me, but y'all been around those people, right? <laughs> and once again, just like the other one, did you hear about? Here's the other one. You ain't heard it from me, but how are you going to say you, you, you ain't heard from me, but, and then you say it? <laughs> if I ain't hear from you when you're saying you didn't hear it from me, but, <clears throat> what is this, some kind of parrot on your shoulder speaking it? <laughs> hey, Kelly, you ain't hear it from me, but Tony had seven nails in her tire last week. Well, who told her? <laughs> I mean, who told him? If it wasn't Tony, you didn't hear it from me, but, well, like I said, is there a parrot on my shoulder? <laughs> it's crazy the phrases that people, you didn't hear it from me, but. In other words, you're speaking deceptively. In other words, you're saying, <clears throat> you're hearing it from me, but if ever anybody traces the trail of the rumors to you to say, what's the source? It wasn't me. Was that song I heard? Actually, I heard it on Ray Moore Flatting yesterday. Sha was it Shaggy? It wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> Forget the lyrics, but he just kept saying the song. It wasn't me. 
<laughs> Amen. And look at the nature in which you speak. Your normal voice is this, but when you're sharing the news, yo, you didn't hear from me. Oh, oh, now you whisper. Just the fact that you got to lower your voice reveals the impurity of what you're about to say. Because if it's not something that's negative against somebody else, why are you lowering your voice from its normal decibel level? Why aren't you speaking it? You know, if you're sitting there in a room with a bunch of friends, we're sitting here, and I want to share something about Marnice, and all of a sudden, hey, Cal, you didn't hear from me, but Marnice. Why don't I say it loud enough that Marnice can hear it? If it's something pure. You know, if I'm saying something nice, oh, I really love Marnice's dress today. I speak that normal level, but if I'm saying, but I don't like her shoes. Why, why got low, you see, and I, I don't have an issue with your shoes, but you get my point. <laughs> why I had my voice normal level for one thing, but I lowered my voice for other things. And believe me, I have nothing wrong with your shoes. You're stylish. You're stylish and wonderful as usual. <laughs> but, but people do that. You speak at one level for one thing, but when you share in the dirt, I mean, we've all, we've all done it. Come on. Yo, you didn't hear it from me, but that, that voice goes, <laughs> you drop 20 decibels off your voice. <laughs> and what does God say here? When he speaks low, trust him not. God said they ain't trustworthy. Because if they're being pure and undefiled, they can speak in the normal volume of their voice. And they don't have to turn their head, and they don't have to put the hand over here, over the mouth. And, and, you know, speak. I've seen people do this, too. They, they turn their mouth like this. <laughs> they literally speak out the side of their mouth. I've literally seen people do that. You heard from me, but, like, why are you twisting your mouth up, joker? <laughs> you the joker now, two-face? <laughs> speak out the half side of your mouth. <laughs> you know you ain't right. Your face is actually getting twisted as you're saying it. <laughs> so you know you're not right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I literally know people that do that. They will twist their mouth to the side as they're saying stuff. <laughs> well, here's the key thing that really struck me, too. It says, because there were seven mischiefs in his heart. And I was like, seven mischiefs, man. And then I looked at some of the, the, the commentaries relating to this passage of Scripture. The one, one of the main multiple references to the seven mischiefs in his heart went to the other passage in Proverbs where it says, six, these th six things the Lord hates, seven are abomination to him. Those seven mischiefs in your gossip are tied into that. Another commentary says that when you're gossiping, you're basically allowing like seven devils to take hold of your tongue. And another one says, basically, since seven is God's number of perfection, you are being perfectly evil in terms of what you are professing out of your mouth. It's the number of perfection regarding you using your mouth in a perfectly evil mode of operation. That's why it says seven mischiefs in your heart that you're now allowing to flow out of your heart. So I was like, wow. And when I saw that, I was like, woo. <laughs> That's, huh? Yeah, it's, Kyle said a good word. It's, it's scary because... Like I said, we make excuses. Oh, it's not a big deal, you know. But according to God, it's the perfect number of evil influences taking hold of your heart and your mouth and taking somebody else down. Now, he that coveth hated 
hatred deceitfully. His mail should be laid in an open assembly. Um, verse 7, 27 says, if he digs a pit, he will fall into it. That's what happens a lot of times. People spread gossip. It comes back that you're the one to spread the gossip, and you fall quickly into the pit of, I thought I could trust you. I can't. I thought you meant me well with this. It, it basically enables you to fall into a pit or a trap of your own making, and one that could have been avoided if you didn't allow your mouth to open against somebody else. And it says a deceitful tongue does not love the truth, and a slippery mouth worketh ruin. A slippery mouth is one in which every time some, something passes your ear gates, your eye gates, your mind, and you got something negative to say, it just flows easily. There's, there's, there's no door to close on that mouth. Words come out, it's like just slippery. You can't get a hold on them. They just flow easily. Amen? So God tells us to watch that. So as we see, when you're involved in spreading gossip, especially when it involves conflict with other people, you are pouring gas on fire instead of helping to snuff it out. We could try to justify it by stating that we're only kidding, but God states that we're walking in deception as we wound somebody else. Matter of fact, God says that we are speaking from the core of a corrupted heart and being, and the fact that we're involved demonstrates that we're the person's enemy at heart. And like I said, it's different levels. No, you may not ha hate somebody and really um, want to harm them and, and, and mean destruction to them. I don't think none of us are that malicious. But the fact is, we still got to take into consideration how God views things. Even though we might say, oh, it wasn't that big a deal. God feels that it's a bigger deal than we do. And unfortunately, the words we're speaking can build a pit that we may eventually fall into um, with no means of escape except repentance when the boulder of our words return to fall back on top of us. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, let's go to Romans 1, 28 through 32. Romans 1. Twenty-eight through thirty-two. Since these people refused even to think about God, He let their useless minds rule over them. That's why they do all sorts of indecent things. They are evil, wicked, and greedy, as well as mean in every possible way. They want what others have, and they murder, argue, cheat, and are hard to get along with. They gossip. Say cruel things about others and hate God. They are proud, conceited, and boastful, always thinking up new ways to do evil. These people don't respect their parents. They are stupid, unreliable, and don't have any love or pity for others. They know God has said that anyone who acts this way deserves to die, but they keep on doing evil things, and they even encourage others to do them. Amen? This passage is really um, it's talking about the overall nature of mankind. And how we basically, not us personally, but mankind as a whole is shaking its fists at God, denying creation, turning ourselves over to depravity and evil. Um, but it does show us some characteristics as it relates to 
to, to God and to the acts that we're willing to commit. We shouldn't give a free pass to gossip any more than we would covetousness and maliciousness. So as a result, it even says that if we allow ourselves to, to continually flow in things that are errant, things that are contrary to God's will and his principles, we get ourselves to the place where, as we see in uh, verse 28, um, we allow our minds to become useless in terms of us being able to speak godly and fruitful things as opposed to speaking things that are really of no value. Getting back to what Eleanor Roosevelt said, if we have greatness in our mind, if we're thinking about new challenges, goals, and opportunities, if we're envisioning great productivity and prosperity um, and blessings in our lives and the lives of others, then why are we spending so much time and energy pondering other people's dirt and then spreading it elsewhere? Like, don't we have a greater use for the talents and giftings and the ingenuity and the minds that God has given us? So he's showing us here in this passage that one of the attributes that he doesn't like is us having gossiping lips and gossiping minds. Quite frankly, a gossiping Gossiping lips are only the product of a gossiping heart and mind. It means that your mind is spending a lot of energy on things that are unproductive, unfruitful. Amen. And and if we got if you got a lot of time to look at the lives of, and peer into the lives of other people as opposed to focusing on your own goals, you're like so sidetracked is ridiculous. Amen. I mean, we always got so many t- hours in a day. We only have so many years for our lives. So, you know, to be sitting around worrying about what he, she, and they are doing as opposed to, like, man, I need to do this. Here's my plan for that. And let me pursue that. You know, instead of spending and exerting your energies, your ingenuity on, okay, well, in three years, I want to own a home. In five years, I want to have my own business. Like, well, I wonder what Joe and Susie are doing tonight. And, man, I heard Bill and, 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 and Bruce got into a fight. Like, do you realize how you're being sidetracked by that and that and that as opposed to building up your own future? Amen? So you can spend a lot of wasted energy focusing on other people and spreading dirt as opposed to focusing on what is productive for your life. Uh, let's go to 1 Peter 4, 14 through 16. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil, spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let it, none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. So God is basically telling us, there are going to be times that people are going to talk about us, gossip about us, but he said if they're talking about us as it relates to us serving him in ministry, uh, having the love, the compassion, um, and the wisdom of God to interact and minister to other people, they want to talk about the, us, that's fine. Hey, it's just like, you're working on behalf of God's kingdom. We have nothing to be worried about. As a matter of fact, if they're talking about you um, because of your stance in Christ, at least they're talking about Christ. <laughs> you know? Or they're speaking to you, speaking negatively about you, while all the while knowing 
that there's some shame coming back, bouncing back on them because they know they're not right in terms of how they characterize you and defame you and try to undermine you. Amen. So we have nothing to share to be ashamed about if people are talking about us while we're serving God in spirit and truth. Now it says here also, though, is that um, if we suffer as a Christian, people dogging you out, there's no reason for us to be ashamed. And we can glorify God that we're doing his perfect will. But it does warn us, don't let any of us be found to be getting talked or gossiped about because we're being a busybody and a meddler in the matters of other people. That's when shame can come back on us. So yes, we'll never be, you know, we'll never be in a situation where people may consider us exempt from all gossip, but they're going to gossip let it be in us serving Jesus Christ faithfully as opposed to us being in a bunch of fleshly mess that we should be ashamed about. We got a choice. Amen. We have a choice. Um, let's see. So that was for the gossip. What I had to share about the gossip. Uh, the next type of person I want to talk about is the temperamental. Temperamental. And the root of the word temperamental, by no accident, <laughs> is temper. <laughs> and that's well suited for this type of individual. A temperamental person is known a lot by a lot of people to have a quick trigger. It's easy to push their buttons, step on their last nerve, agitate them, and provoke them, or so they say, to outbursts. And here's the reality. Temperamental people uh, have absolutely no control over their emotions. They lash out at others. They project their feelings onto other people, all the while thinking that they're the actual unfortunate recipients of misbehavior. And a lot of times when they're lashing out at others, the true victims, the people that are receiving their outbursts, are the ones that are getting all the mayhem from these people. But if you were to ask a temperamental person, they would feel that, oh, well, I'm lashing out. I might even admit I'm lashing out, but, oh, you don't understand. They did this. They said that. They did something to agitate me. They find an excuse in their ungodly, fleshly, uncontrolled behavior. So that's the unfortunate thing. Now, temperamental people are often difficult to remove from your life because their uncontrolled emotions, as well as the spirit of manipulation that they, they typically operate under, makes you feel bad for them. Well, if, if, if only we do this or that, then maybe they won't be so angry all the time, or they won't be lashing out, or uh, if I walk on eggshells or don't do anything, you know, that, that agitates them, I don't have to worry about them lashing out. They're going to lash out anyway, because that's who they are. It's the essence of who they are. And quite frankly, is that fair to any of us that we have to spend our entire lives walking on eggshells around somebody else because they don't have their act and their emotions and their character together? Amen. Why should we be? Why should the whole world have to be victimized by their misbehavior and their errant, ungodly, uncontrolled attitude? God tells us to all be controlled and temperate, not temperamental. 
So why do we have to succumb? And that doesn't mean that we should be doing stuff to provoke temperamental people, but on the other side of the coin, and at the end of the day, they need to deal with their attitudes and their problems, and they have to work on their behaviors, and we don't have to be their doormats, nor do we have to be their punching bags. Amen? But they will try to do things such a way to make you feel like, you know, bad for them. What you got to realize is that (laughs) temperamental people will use you as their emotional toilets upon which they dump all of their trash. I'll say it again. Temperamental people will use you as their emotional toilets upon which they dump all of their crap. Pun intentional. Because <laughs> that's what they do. You do the lightest of things, the thing that a reasonably minded person wouldn't have an issue with, and they just go off and go in. Because that's what they love to do at the end of the day. They like to go off. And they think it's justified. They don't think they need to change their behavior. Uh, this is the way I am. Yeah, devil, you're devilish. That's the way you are. Well, I've always been this way. Yeah, an annoyance to everybody surrounding you. Because that's what temperamental people are. They're annoying. And who <laughs> they are, they are annoying. We all have our own issues. We all have our own problems. Everybody's got trials and tribulations and baggage and unfair things that occur to them. So if the whole world acted like temperamental people and just flared and lashed out every time, we'd all be at war every day of our lives. So what gives them the right to have a free pass to go off on people? But that's what they do. Proverbs 25, 28 says, He that have no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Here's how God sees an angry, temperamental person. He says, first of all, he says, He that have no rule over his own spirit. For him to say, I'm talking to those who have no rule of their own spirit, this is what will happen, that means that on the other side of the coin, we must have the capability to have rule over our own spirits. So in other words, temperamental person may justify lashing out, but there's no excuse for it in the sight of God. God says, no, you should have rulership over your own spirit. Amen? And we can't necessarily do it by the flesh, but with the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God, we have the capacity to control our outbursts and our emotions. Amen? So it says here, he that has no rule of his spirit is like a city that's broken down and without walls. This is a reference to, you know, biblical or medieval times where you had cities that were surrounded by fortresses. And they would put walls and moats, turrets and different things around the city, boundaries to prevent um, raiders and plunderers from coming in, pillaging, burning down, robbing, stealing women, killing animals kill you know sometimes sometimes they would steal sometimes they would kill sometimes they were burned to the ground and rape and pillage and just do all kinds of destructive things and what people that were wise would do they would fortify their cities by putting walls surrounding on every side so that the enemy could not come in god's saying here it is you have no rule over your spirit it's as if you were a kingdom that was stupid enough 
to have no walls of protection surrounding you, even though you know that the enemy is going to come into attack. And yet you leave the, the, the playing field wide open for the enemy to come in and attack you at any time. This is how God views a temperamental person. You can be sifted as wheat, ambushed, and attacked at any time, and you have no wall of protection to save yourself from the onslaught of the enemies coming at you. Unfortunately, in the case of a temperamental person, the onslaught is the devices of this world system. It's their emotions. It's all the different issues that agitate them. It's their baggage from the past. It's, you know, their mood. All these different things coming at them, and they have no barrier protection to prevent them at any time from just, once again, losing control. And here's the thing. When they lose control, they may be in a, a nuisance to all their family members and friends that have to tolerate them. But I can guarantee you, a temperamental person, for the most part, is not successful in life. Because people get tired of that nonsense. And opportunities that would be presented to them are, are, are bypassed or blocked. Now, you'll see some cases where temperamental people are able to rise in power. You know, I worked with somebody before, and... <laughs> We've got certain politicians in place right now. Sometimes it, some people do rise to power, it happens. Some people rise to wealth, it happens. But for the most part, for us average Joes, if you're temperamental, you'll find that you've actually hindered your life. And there was a lot of opportunities where you may have been blessed. And because of you annoying people with your outbursts, I won't even consider that person for this. I won't even tell this person about that opportunity. Oh, no, I don't even want to be around that person. I got to distance myself. I just can't deal with them another moment. People push, them, push you away or they distance themselves from you because from you they're tired of all the outbursts. We got enough stuff we're dealing with on a daily basis ourselves where I have to deal with, a, with somebody that at any moment's notice can snap and have another outburst. Amen? It's just draining. It's tiring. And just not something you want to be around. All right, um, <clears throat> Proverbs 16.32 says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that rules his spirit than he that taketh a city. This is on the other side of the coin. He that is slow to anger, somebody that is temperate, God says you're better than the mighty. He's basically saying it's like you're a warrior. Amen? You may not be the mightiest in brute strength, and fighting capabilities, you may not have the greatest weapons of warfare, but God says, I look at you as being a valiant, strong person because instead of you lashing out and being out of control, you're temperate instead of temper temperamental, and you retain governance over how you conduct yourself, amen, despite the situations that you face. Matter of fact, he goes further and says, you rule your spirit. Once again, it goes back to what I said earlier. We have the capacity to rule our spirits. Amen? He that rules his spirit is greater than he that takes a city. God says, I look at you as more valiant, stronger, and mightier than if you were a troop of people invading a city, taking down the walls, and taking that territory. God says, somebody that rules his spirit, I look at them as being greater than somebody who's able to do that. So the world would say if you're more boisterous, dysfunctional, outward, errant in behavior, it's something to be applauded. But God says, no, I give the greatest respect 
to those who are temperate and control themselves. I saw a video the other day. I'll be honest, I didn't watch it. I just saw the caption. Apparently, some young black man goes into a, I think it was a, a Dunkin' Donuts, and he ends up standing on the counter. He throw, takes off his shirt, and he's throwing stuff on himself. And it said it had over one million views. And all these people, like, I hate to say it, but my cousin posted it. And he said, look at this fool. He said, man, people need to stop posting this nonsense. I said, but you just posted it. And I was going to reply, but I get tired of telling people, like, you're saying, oh, we need to stop promoting this not you, you just promoted it. Don't give it another Ford. Don't give it another share. So this guy has over one million things. And, and I saw one person in the comments say, well, why somebody do something so stupid? He had to know he's acting stupid. And then somebody else said, because it's, it's clickbait. He doesn't care he acts stupid. He gets enough clicks on the YouTube video that he might make money from it. So he's willing for clicks to act like a total fool before one, an audience of over a million people. Over a million people took their time out of their day to watch this idiot. This is what the world is reduced to now. Anything to get clickbait, to get some Google AdSense, to get a couple pennies per thousand clicks or dollars or whatever they get. In me, like, there's no amount of money that makes me act out of character. If, if, I, if that's the only means of getting rich, I'll stay poor. At least I have my integrity. At least I have character. At least I'll be able to look in the mirror and say, I can respect the person and people around me can respect me. Because these people doing this stuff, no, you're stupid. You're idiotic. You're not getting respect. You got clicks. You got, as, as Jesus said, you have your own reward from your clicks, but you're a fool. <laughs> you're still a fool. You know? And at the end of the day, it wasn't worth it. And we have kids later on, and that video is still out there in the cloud, and somebody may do a search one day and bring this back and say, hey, Dad, Dad, you tell me not to act up at school. Well, look at this, Dad. 2017, you were popular on YouTube. Over, over a million people watched you act like an idiot and, quite frankly, commit a crime. He disrupted that, that, that place, that, this, that establishment. You will tell me not to act up in school? If I'm following your example, I should be tearing the school up. Amen? Stuff will come back to haunt you. I watched a video based upon, um, Tony and I went to an A21 movie about, uh, I guess, the sexual trafficking, and the one woman mentioned um, a video on Netflix that we should watch, um, My Name is Jane Doe. And I watched it um, last week. It said a lot of these women going into pornography is just like, oh, I just want to be popular. I just want to be recorded. Did a couple, within a couple of years, they're burned out and used up, and they're just like, I can't believe I did this myself. Oh, but I made a lot of money then. But look at your soul now, two years later, and then, you know, you, you probably want to get married, have kids, like your, your internals might be all jacked up, and then who's going to want to marry you, you know? They show one, guy, one girl on a video, she, she, actually she was famous a few years ago, she was on Duke, she's a Duke student. But I guess she felt she didn't have enough scholarship money and stuff like that, so she started. She, she became um, she, she became an actress to make money to pay for her tuition at Duke. I only know she's at Duke now. And one thing she said she wanted to do was a women be a women's rights activist lawyer. Other women laughed at her. You're going to defend us <laughs> after you willingly went to that lifestyle? Sort of like your future is done. So I don't even know if she ever graduated from Duke or not. But these people's stories were in that video. And these women were like, I went into this thinking, I'll be a model, I'll be this or that. And years later, like, I, I, I devastated myself. So people are doing a lot of stuff. 
wants to give for a click or a quick few bucks, but they don't know the consequences of it. They might haunt them for the rest of their life, you know? And I tell people, like, that stuff's out in the cloud. You think you click de delete, it's done. No. It's forever out there. Forever. And here's the thing. You may not have access to it, but people do. I'm an IT guy. I can tell you. Kelly's an IT guy. Like, I don't know how many backups are out there. <laughs> even you go to the original company, Facebook or YouTube or whatever, even if they deleted it, how many people downloaded it and have a backup of it to put it back on there again? Matter of fact, the, I, the I, I'm Jay Doe movie, this one woman, her, her daughter was 13. She got traffic. She'd been suing um, back page and all these different places to take it down. Every time a place takes it down, another one puts it back up. She's on an endless trail trying to clear up the stuff that was done to her daughter and the pictures of stuff that were taken. So people do stuff for a certain reason that they don't realize the consequences could last for a lifetime. Amen? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Yep. It's the same. Quick fist. And that's the thing. They say, oh, I'm doing it to get money for school, but then they get caught up in the money and they don't even go what the original purpose was. You know, some of them are like, oh, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a doctor. And then they forget all about it because the, the pull, oh, the money, the pull of the money is too great now for me to leave. Yeah, there wasn't any money. Yep, just greed at the end of the day. So that's crazy. Um, last one for today, Titus 2, 1 through 8. <clears throat> But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behaviors becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given too much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded, in all things showing ourselves a pattern of good works, and doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. So we see here that God wants us once again to be Temperate. When it's saying for us to be sober, it's basically saying you're stable in mind. You know, you're not somebody that's erratic. And from day to day, they don't know which version of you is going to show up. Amen? I know it's like some people are just like, man, okay, I got to go see so-and-so. Like, all right, well, which one going to show up? It's like they're schizophrenic. Is, is Dr. Jekyll going to show up? Or is Mr. Hyde going to be there? You just don't know. And, and some people, even in the midst of the, of the interaction, you don't know, they might start off as Dr. Jekyll, turn into Mr. Hyde, 
in the midst of it. And I've even seen some people that they start out Dr. Jekyll, they turn to Mr. Hyde, flip out, then they turn back to Dr. Jekyll. You'd be like, and then like, okay, well, I didn't say or do anything. You'd be like, do you realize what you just said and how you just disrupted everybody? They literally cannot see. In other words, people that lack control and are temperamental sometimes don't even realize that in their lashing out and their mood swings, and I know sometimes people have, or, or bipolar, or have chemical uh, imbalances and stuff like that. Yeah, but there's, there's ways you can get help. Amen? Don't just give yourself a free pass just to go off and, and just do whatever and treat people any old kind of way. Amen? So, um, unfortunately, they seem to have no clue whatsoever, or no conscience that I just lashed out, and now that I'm calm, cool, collected, oh, we just go, we just go along, calm, cool, collected. No, you just agitate everybody in the room. Now, we're all agitated and anxious and upset by what you did, and now that you've decided to calm down, everybody's supposed to be cool. No, it don't work like that. You just ruined the event, or you ruined the, the conversation, or I don't want to be around you right now. And that's the thing. They have no pulse on that whatsoever. They just say or do something, disrupt the whole atmosphere. And like I said, in their moment of, I'm upset, I'm going to say this and that, then when they calm down, everybody's supposed to be cool. Well, we were all cool before you acted up. <laughs> So, unfortunately, they, they really just don't understand the impact they can have on other people. So, that's why God wants us, though, to remain temperate and wise. Sometimes there's things that agitate us. Sometimes people do say and do things that make you want to lose control. But as you grow in Christ, you know, one thing I've definitely known over the years is that as I subject myself to the Spirit of God and the Word of God, the parts of me that could lash out and do this or that, are held in check, you know, because, and that's the thing, sometimes people think, oh, well, you're so easy going, or, or, man, I can't believe you let them talk to you like that, and there's been times even here, you know, the church, sometimes people say, oh, somebody did this, or somebody said that, or this occurred, and they witnessed it, and they say, oh, well, you handle that so well, like, wow, nothing bothers you, no, it bothers me, I'm just under control, <laughs> now, if I got to fight a war, I'll fight the war, but for the most part, I'm going to measure the stakes, and I might feel a certain way, but I'll go <sighs> stay calm, cool, collected, do things in Christ, deal with it behind the scenes at a later time in prayer, because I want to stay in subjection to the Spirit of God and to the Word of God. Amen? <laughs> so, um, we, and we all have the capability of doing it. You know, there's times where, yeah, people said and done stuff. I could just as, as much in my face yell at them or punch them in the face as I could throw my arms around them. I choose in Christ to throw my arms around them. I could hold a grudge, hold mouths towards somebody, you know, in the flesh. But according to the Spirit of God, once again, I throw my arms around them. We all have a choice to consider the cost and our relationship with Christ. If you choose to be temperamental and moody and hold grudges and to lash out, well, you have, once again, you have your own reward and you're lashing out and your temperament and your malice and your agitated, agitated attitude. But you don't have peace of mind. And it's like one of the things I shared last week is that when you allow toxic people to keep impacting you, one of the things I shared last week is that it can literally affect the hippocampus 
portion of your brain which affects your ability to reason as well as your memory. You can literally suffer um, memory loss and even trying to figure things out. Like, Man, I just can't seem to make a decision about this. Or it should be clear, but uh, wow, I, just, uh, I just don't know what to Because you're around toxic people all the time. It starts burdening you. It starts taking away from you, literally. And if you're toxic of your own, it, it, it weighs you down even further. It takes away what God gave you. Amen? So we could choose whether to be dysfunctional and toxic or to be around dysfunctional and toxic people. Or we could say, no, regardless of that, I'm going to cast down any ungodly imaginations. I'm going to keep my heart, my mind, my emotions under control, and I'm allow the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to govern over my life that I can remain healthy and whole, amen, and of impact, hallelujah, with a, a fruitful life in God. All right, we're going to stop for, with that today. Uh, so let's all rise and pray, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise and thank you, Lord, for everything that you're revealing to us through your word. We thank you, Father, first of all, for praise and worship, for testimonies, Lord. We thank you, Father, for giving us the capacity to pray for those who are in need. We ask you right now, Father, for everybody whose name was mentioned earlier, Lord, that you would touch them uh, by your spirit, Father. Hallelujah. Just save those who are unsaved, restore those who are backslidden, heal those who are sick, those who have lost uh, family members, give them comfort and peace. We praise you also, Father, that um, as we uh, discuss overcoming the plague of toxic people today, Father, that if there's any toxicity in us, Father, Lord, purge any unfleshly mindsets, any attitudes, anything um, traumatic in us, anything ungodly within us, any wounds that are within us, Father, purge those things out. If we're surrounded by toxic people, Father, show us by your spirit, hallelujah, and according to your word, whether um, we are to avoid um, interactions, whether it's for a specific event or for a season, um, if it's the nature of the relationship, show us what we need to do. And Father, even if those times where we are called to be connected to them or involved with them, Father, we just praise and thank you, Father, to overshadow us with your wisdom, your power, Holy Spirit, that we could be in their midst but not controlled and manipulated by them, and that we would take authority in the spirit realm over those situations, Father, to bring, hallelujah, light, in the midst of that darkness. We just thank you, praise you, Father, for this. We thank you, Father, for what you're going to do in us the rest of the day as well as the coming week. And also, Father, not only that you will bless us, but enable us to be a blessing in the lives of others. We just praise and thank you, Father, for this and give you the glory, the honor, and praise for these things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs>